Before history is written, it's played. Before it's frozen in time, it's fought one shift at a time. Before it's etched in silver, it's carved in ice. What happens next will last forever. The Stanley Cup Final on ABC and ESPN Plus begins Saturday. Are you ready to go offside? Because it's time for Offside Hockey Talk with your host, James Roberts, and myself, Doug Ireland. Ladies and gentlemen, it is good to be back in your ears after July 1st, after all the aftershocks, the tremors, the signings, all the money that was spent. We now get to sit down and break down it all. Doug, how are you feeling after July 1st? Well, there was uh, there's quite a lot of explosions on July 1st, and I'm not talking about the fireworks. Although I guess there were lots of those too. <laughs> well, they're pretty beautiful. I can't get over that. There's another big firework that may go off this evening as we're recording. Kawhi Leonard is in Toronto. He may sign with the Toronto Raptors. I know it is not something you are overly excited for, my friend, <laughs> but I myself would love to see Kawhi Leonard sign here just for what it would mean for basketball in Canada. But to the bigger news of the night, Doug, I have to extend an apology. It is now 11.08 over here in Nova Scotia. We usually record many hours before this. Unfortunately, I am late this evening. So allow me to extend an apology for this late night edition of Offside Hockey Talk. Well, do do I get an apology for you telling everybody that I'm not excited about the Kawhi trade? Jesus. (laughs) Listen, sometimes honesty hurts. I just, okay, the truth hurts. Look, I, it's not that I I don't care. It's or well, I guess it is. I don't really care about basketball. I'm sorry. I'm sorry, ladies and gentlemen. I did not grow up playing basketball. You know, I just it's it's great that the Raptors won. I paid attention to the the last few games, but you know, if if Kawhi signs in Toronto, great. I actually I fully agree with James. I agree with you, buddy. Uh, it'd be good for basketball in Canada, and maybe that'll get people like me more enthusiastic about uh, this kind of stuff happening. But uh, yeah, let's let's turn back to all these fireworks that we were talking about just a minute ago, and stop talking about the Raptors on a Leafs podcast. <laughs> well, let's just spin the uh, the ball, sort of speak, in the right direction. Um, you know, speaking of the ball, the ball looks to be in the Leafs court right now when it comes to Mitchell Marner. Why do I say that, Doug? I say that because there was no offer sheet yet that has come down for Mitch Marner. Most of the teams that had the ability to go after Mitch Marner have already gone out and either re-signed their players, signed the players they were looking for, so the money has been spent. Now, the unfortunate part about this is this could drag on quite a while, but we've seen it's not going to hinder Mr. Kyle Dubas any further, and we've seen what happens when teams go ahead and put out an offer sheet, but let's just keep it on Marner for a second So for me, I believe this deal gets done before opening night this season. I believe Marner may miss a little bit of training camp over in Newfoundland. But I do believe this deal gets done before the season starts. Doug, where is your head at with this situation? Well, I I think that uh, avoiding what happened with Nylander is in the forefront of everyone's mind still. I feel like that's been been beaten to death at this point. How often people have said that we can't let... Marner go the way Nylander went um yeah I think absolutely that he needs to be signed I mean it's like definitely before the season 
and I'd say almost as definitely before training camp starts. You know that the only the only catch is that if I'm Marner, uh, I I don't want to miss any any of the season because I know that how bad of a impression that will make on Leafs fans. I feel like I can. I feel like if I was Marner, I could get away with missing training camp. That doesn't mean me, Doug, thinks that he should or that he will. I just know that if I was trying to negotiate and use something as leverage, that's really the last bit of leverage that I would really want to not. Uh, that's the last bit of leverage that I would want to ig- ignore, I guess, so to speak, if I'm Kyle Dubas. Um, like, I could see him not showing up to training camp at all and showing up for their first uh, regular season game. Because, yeah, like, I mean, I don't know if you saw the uh, the video of P.K. Subban going through his training routine. Like, it's July, and this guy's training his, his rear end off trying to get in shape for, ne- for next season. Like, you got to believe that Marner's not only capable of doing that, but probably already is doing that if he's not playing in some summer league somewhere that everybody, all <laughs> that the Leafs keep hidden from everybody. So, like I said, I, I think that he he might end up using training camp as leverage. I don't think Dubas will be happy about it if he does. Um, but it's better than having him miss regular season. Uh, I don't see him missing any regular season. If he does, then he's, I can't see his, like, that's just, with how bad the whole thing with Nylander went last year, I can't see that that being a, a acceptable option from Kyle Dubas's, uh camp or from Marner's camp, quite frankly. That's that's reputation damaging. You don't, they want to avoid that at all costs, both sides. Well, definitely. Another uh, key factor to the whole situation here is, the fact that Cody CC is an RFA with arbitration rights and probably will be going to arbitration, even though it was reported there's a one-year, four-point-five million deal dollar deal on the table, verbally agreed to apparently, um, but nothing signed, sealed, and delivered. Also, you have Alex Kerfoot, who is an unrestricted or not unrestricted, uh, an RFA as well, that will be going to uh, arbitration. So you may want to get those numbers in before you seriously hand out your last offer to Mitchell Marner. Yeah. Um, so wait for those numbers to come down. That may help out the situation. And, you know, like I said, the fear of the offer sheet is not there. But speaking of offer sheets, one did happen from Big Daddy Guns, Mr. Bergevin, over in Montreal. He tried to use that Molson muscle, so to speak, to uh, lure away Mr. Aho, who signed the deal that is very front-loaded. And, of course, you know, Don Waddell said they would use all the time in the world to try to limit what the Habs could do further. But Tom Dundon, who is not happy and is the owner of the Carolina Hurricanes, came out and said that it was uh, kind of BS the way they did it. He felt that the agent sold Montreal a bill of goods, basically telling him or telling Montreal that if you do this, you know, this is the way to lure Ajo away because Tom Dundon is cheap and won't pay it. Well, he paid the piper, and Sebastian Ajo is now a part of the Carolina Hurricanes. Doug, I want to know, what do you feel about the Montreal Canadiens doing the offer sheet? It is something that is in the collective bargaining agreement, not a tool a lot of people use, but does this open the door, and do you see either the Canes being vengeful and doing something themselves, maybe towards Montreal next season or maybe a season down the line, or is this a, a simple, hey, it's done, it's over with, let's move on? Uh, I, I, like, I'm tempted to say uh, the former, except for the fact that, like to me, the offer sheet was so low that it's 
questionable. The entire the entire thing is just questionable. Like, why would you offer? Like, you they had to have known that Carolina was going to match that offer sheet. There's no way that they thought that. Oh yeah, this this will really keep Carolina from signing. Like, what were they doing? I don't I don't get it. Where they is like I I was actually going to ask you like what your take it was the on bonus it. money. It was the bonus money that they were hoping that uh, that Carolina wouldn't be able to afford within the first twelve months. Uh, I think it's something like twenty million dollars in the uh, the first twelve months that we paid out in bonus money. It's it's the structure the Leafs are using in a lot of their contracts. Hence the reason why they're able to uh, kind of lure guys and, and not even just that, just be able to get them to sign like uh, Kasperi Kapan and Andreas Janssen. Most of their money is paid, you know, July 1st. And I think it's like $800,000 after that or whatever it is left over um, for the player to get beyond the signing bonus. Um, you know, so that's the deal they tried to do with Aho was giving him the huge signing bonuses on this part of the deal so he'd get one now and then he'd get one 12 months from now on July 1 again so they were thinking Tom Dundon wouldn't want to reach in his pocket and pull out that money and pay for Sebastian Ajo like that but Tom Dundon said you know what no enough of your BS okay we're gonna pay and Ajo is going to be a Carolina Hurricane the AAV was not what they were trying to use to lure him away from Carolina it was the signing bonuses, and that's what I mean about the owner selling Montreal a bill of goods and saying, you know, if you structure the contract this way, then he will sign the deal with you guys, and Carolina will not match the deal. But of course, we know they have. I mean, that's that's even even taking all that into account. I mean, it's not like Carolina or or Dundon are destitute and don't have the cash to pay for arguably one of their best players possibly their best player like i just but dundon's got a big set of brass ones on him just to (laughs) interrupt you for a second and it's true he does and a lot of gms and a lot of uh management throughout the nhl wish they could be as brash as tom dundon is he's the guy who didn't want to pay that much for a general manager i believe he started out at eight hundred thousand dollars a year was what he was willing to pay some gms like uh it was mike fuda and a couple of others that were applying for the job the salary compensation was not that high, hence the reason why they retained Don Waddell. Um, but Dundon is like that. Um, he doesn't like to pay. Uh, he likes to. He also doesn't like defense either. So if you're looking for a defender, NHL, you know, just hit up Mr. Don Waddell and offer him a shiny forward of some type, and I'm sure you can lure away a Dougie Hamilton or even a Brett Pesci. And I'm not being facetious there. Uh, I mean. Let let me ask you your opinion on this then. Um if if you're Carolina Oh, give me a second, James. Sorry. Um so let me ask you this then. If if you're Carolina, um how much of like you're never gonna make a deal with Montreal again, right? Or if not even if you're a Carol if you're Carolina or if you're any owner in the league, how much damage has this done to Montreal's ability to make trades around the league? Like, like how I'd often? Say zero. This is you'd say zero because this is only like what the third offer sheet in like twelve years or something. So and we we were we were speculating that anybody that like offer sheets Marner, you're basically guaranteeing that Dubas isn't gonna make a deal with you. And I'm just wondering if if you think that that's going to apply to 
this situation as well. Well, the reason why I say it's a little different in this situation, again, I go back to the agent, and that's who Tom Dundon and the Carolina Hurricanes are apparently more pissed off at because of what they did and the way that they paid it forward and painted a picture for the Montreal Canadiens. The next part about it is um, you have a GM in Ray Shiro of the New Jersey Devils coming out and saying, you know, I don't give a shit about the gentleman's agreement on offer sheets. You know, they're there to be used. We will use them if we feel the necessary need to. So that's another GM who didn't use one, but came out and said it's bullshit about the gentleman's agreement on it. So, and then just the, the ramped up, hyped up speculation about offer sheets, you know, it's something that's coming out of a lot of guys' mouths. What I see, and I've heard this said other places, so it's not just my idea born out of my head, but... I see teams now starting to want to offer sheet lower or middle tier players that maybe teams don't want to pay. Like you look at a Casperi Kapanen or an Andreas Janssen on our books, you know, a team offer sheeting Cappy at $5 million. Do you think the Leafs would have paid that? Maybe not. They may have walked away and took the compensation because of the way they are with the cap. And that may be the way that teams use this in the future to kind of not screw over their counterparts, but be able to put pressure on teams that have the bigger salary players that won't be able to pay these mid-tier guys five or six million dollars and the compensation isn't that huge. So that's the way I think the offer sheet will be used going forward. But like I said, I don't think that Montreal damaged themselves doing this. Um, It was a tool in the box. They had the space. They struck out on Duchesne. They struck out on another key forward. So they went the next route, which was the, uh, the Ajo offer sheet. Their original target, believe it or not, Doug, was actually Braden Point. And Braden Point has the same agent as Sebastian Ajo. So they went from Braden Point and his agent was able to steer them to Sebastian Ajo. So Montreal's target all along was an offer sheet. Was going to be, like I said, Braden Point, but they moved on to Sebastian Ajo. So it doesn't matter. GMs are thinking about this. Uh, Like I said, I'll go back again to the Ray Shiro We've seen it happen before where uh, Ryan O'Reilly was offer sheeted from to, by Calgary. Um, you know, nothing bad was ever said about Calgary. He ended up getting the deal signed in Colorado for the two years. Then we know what happened. They flipped him to Buffalo. Um, again, same thing with the Philadelphia Flyers when they offer sheeted Shea Weber. Didn't seem like there was any ill will there. Shea Weber signed the long-term deal and stayed in Nashville, eventually being dealt to Montreal. So, you know, I, I don't see any long-term ill effects, um, but who knows? Um, you know, Montreal right now has a huge amount of cap space that they're not looking to to spend. They're not looking to make foolish deals. So there are a lot of RFAs out there. Who knows if Bergevin decides to pull another RFA offer sheet out of the hat? Or sits on the cap sheet and try or cap that they have and try to weaponize it for other reasons. But to to answer the root of your question, I do not see um, any ill marks against uh, Mister Bergevin of the Montreal Canadiens. So then, plus, I mean, I wouldn't want to meet him in an alleyway either. You see the biceps <laughs> on that guy. So then, the flip side of that question is: Do you think this opens the door for more offer sheets this season or in the future? Yeah, like I said, I, I don't think it's going to be 
offer sheets for the superstar players because if you look at the way that that's structured, if you offer sheet a superstar player into that stratosphere where you have to pay them 10 or more million dollars, you're not only limiting yourself with the cap on your team, but you're also giving up those four first round picks. So you're losing two valuable commodities. You know, there's there's a saying now, you have your superstars and your cap space. Those are your two most valuable commodities. But I would put first round picks in there because we all know what happened with the Maple Leafs first round picks. When they go out and make trades, they usually turn out to be pretty darn good players. Mr. Scott Niedemeyer, I'm looking at you. And I'm also looking at uh, Mr. Uh, Tyler Sagan as well. But no, I see it being used for mid-tier players, like I said. That's the way this could be used as an effective tool for teams, you know, maybe overpaying a little bit for a mid-tier guy, but also exposing them to maybe better minutes, better power play situations with the team that is doing the offer sheet. So you look at a Casper Kapanen, just throwing out on the top of my head, per se, the Pittsburgh Penguins offered him $5 million. And then you have Casper Kapanen on a line with Sidney Crosby, Cappy, and who else? You know what I mean? That's a huge boost in who he's playing not, with. Not Phil so you Kessel. look at the mid-turn guns. <laughs> Definitely not hot dog eater, no. <laughs> um, and you know what? Good on Phil. He gets to go to Arizona and play for Rick Tockett. Yeah. Um, that's someone he likes. But to answer your question, I think that GMs are going to start wising up and using this tool, right? Because like I said, you have your superstar players on your team and then teams have to try to fit everybody else in. And that's where you can squeeze teams to be able to get a player that is half decent. And I keep going back to Cappy and Yanni, even though they're signed. Those kind of players there that know they can chip in for 20, maybe more, if they're put in a better position. And then teams are not willing to pay that much money. And also the compensation for offer sheeting a player at that level isn't that high either. But it seems like it hasn't gotten to that point with GMs yet. But I think that's where it's going. And again, that's not my thought. That is one that is out there. It's been said numerous times now. So we'll see in the coming years. Uh, that we will. Uh, so me and you have been pretty big fans of Patrick Marlowe ever since he came to the Maple Leafs. So Marlowe Zone, baby. All about the Marlowe Zone. Uh, we've exited the Marlowe Zone, but there may actually be a way to extend it now that he was released. Uh, was he re- outright released? I can't remember. He was bought out. He was bought out. So he could sign with the Maple Leafs again. And presumably if he were to do that, it would be for the league minimum. Do you think that is something that might happen? Do you think it's something that should happen? Or do you think he's just going to go home to San Jose? He's going home to San Jose. You, you think um, he's going to he, play he a full his season? family back there. Do you think he'll play a full season uh, in San Jose? Or is just as like a finish out his career in a San Jose uniform? You know what? I don't know. Um, it's the same kind of thing with Joe Thornton, right? Joe Thornton keeps coming back every single year. He doesn't sign till later in the off season. Um, if Patrick Marlowe does go to the San Jose Sharks, everybody knows it's going to have to be on a lesser deal. Um, but he is going back to San Jose. Um, they will fit him in. They will find a way to make it happen. Um, that is rest assured. He will finish his career as a San Jose Shark. Um, I, I have nothing but good things to say about Patty. I think, like I said in my post, in my video, and again, thank you for everyone for checking it out. Pretty awesome to click on a video that you made and see the amount of views that you get now. It's it's kind of blows you away. But um, 
I said, you know, Patty taught our players, the young guys, how to be gentlemen on and off the ice, how to play properly, not to mention the guys on an Ironman streak that is insane. So, you know, the preparation his body goes through, the preparation he goes to get ready, the things he does in the offseason, the way he eats, the way he trains, you know, all of that rubs off on our guys. So I can't thank Patrick Marlowe enough for the lasting imprint that he probably left on these guys and the lasting effect that he'll leave, even though he only played two seasons as a Maple Leaf, the lasting effect he had in the city. That guy was infectious. I don't care what anybody says. I love what he did for the team. I love what he did for our guys. And I was happy to have him as a Maple Leaf. Yeah, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to echo all that. Um, personally, I could... I mean, if I'm Patrick Marlowe, I'm wondering, you know, do I have one or two years left in my career or do I still have five maybe? And, I mean, 16 goals at uh, 39 years of age. The guy could be playing for another four or five years easily. You know, and it's I get, there's no one in the league that's going to turn down uh, a 15-16 goal scorer, 40-point getter for like a million dollars. I'd go all the way up probably to two or three million and it'd still easily be worth it to sign a guy like Patrick Marlowe, just not only for uh, for the goal scoring and the points, but for all the experience you just mentioned that he can pass down to players. I think that there's a chance he could still sign with the Leafs. Um, I don't know that it's so locked in stone that he's going back to San Jose. Dude, I don't think I've, I've heard anything about him like flying to San Jose, flying to California or anything, or, or setting up uh, living arrangements back there. So I, I could still see it happening, quite honestly. Uh, I, the only guy that really is really going to know, I think, at this point is going to be Marlowe. Um, but if you're Kyle Dubas and Marlowe, let's say Marlowe approaches you, or even just the thought springs up in your mind, are you going to go and try and make a deal with Marlowe, or, or are we kind of past that point now? I would say you're past that point. You have younger players that are vying for a spot. And to touch on something you said there, he has set up base camp. His family has moved back to SoCal, uh, so they are all there. That is, uh, yep. that was part of the the uh, the push to get him traded. That's the reason why they were trying to get him out of Toronto. Um, that the family couldn't adjust. They didn't. Well, let's say couldn't. They didn't adjust well to being here. Um, so they moved back, and that was a driving factor in trying to get Patty moved, and then of course bought out so he could move back and be closer to his family again. So. Yeah, I, I do think he's going to San Jose. I All do right. not think he's coming back to the Maple Leafs. All right. I just, you know, we had so much fun with the Marlowe Zone. I was hoping I'd get to use the music one more time, but I guess it'll have to be retired. <laughs> no, no, no. Don't worry. We'll, we'll touch on where, where you can use that music. There's a, a couple spots that we might be able to use it coming <laughs> up here in the show. But uh, a couple of other exciting things that, um, you know, a lot of people kind of bash me over the head about, but I was set in stone that they were done. And I knew that these deals were happening and I had no problem with them happening. And, you know, I had no problem taking my lumps because they weren't officially signed. But I was confident in Casper Kapanen at $3.2 million and uh, Mr. Andreas Janssen at $3.4. Uh, both are awesome deals for the two. If you look at that, it's $6.6 million for two players who score you 20 goals, who play on the penalty kill, who only can keep getting better in my eyes right now with the ability to play up and down the lineup for you so you're getting both of those players for one Patrick Marlowe price that is freaking awesome yep I'm gonna say one thing about this deal yeah and it was pointed out by someone I can't find the tweet I wish I could but it just shows the and it was a reporter for another team I think oh NHL by Maddie look him up guys on Twitter 
Um, he said it shows that the uh, Toronto Maple Leafs value Andreas Johnson more as a player than they do Kasperi Kapanen because they paid him point two more than Cappy. Why do you have to go say that, Maddie? Come on now. <laughs> Come on now. He's a beat writer, guys, for the uh, Edmonton Oilers. For you who don't know and don't follow other podcasts who read his treats regularly on air, um, I found that one just a little bit of a, oh, come on now, get over yourself because your team's not doing anything. But uh, anyways, no, Doug, those that's a sweet deal for those two, and I'm very happy to have them back locked up for at least three years for Cappy and four for Mr. Johnson. I mean, I'd, Johnson. I'd say that... Uh... It's a case where Kapanen has been less consistent, and so he gets a bit less money, more rather than attributing how much the team values one over the other. I think that's definitely more of a case that Janssen has been steady, Johansson, Johnny, whatever the hell you want to call him. He's been steady, steadily improving, uh, whereas Kapanen has kind of been a bit rocky, a bit up and down. Even me and you were questioning, uh, questioning some You could of say the- he's uh, Yanni on the spot. <laughs> And with that, we're going to move on. <laughs> so the next big bit in business that we didn't get to talk about, because obviously we've had some things going down. Um, the Leaps get out of another contract. They deal Nikita Zaitsev and Connor Brown with a pick to Ottawa for, oh, and also they deal Carconi as well um, to Ottawa for Harper, CeCe, a third, and Leschuk or Fezchuk or whatever you said it was. Yeah, uh, I wasn't. I'm not as enthusiastic about this deal, quite honestly. I'm very, very excited about this deal. You for are for many reasons, but you go ahead and you uh, you tell me why you're not excited. Then I'll tell you why you should be. excited. So the reason I don't like the deal is because uh, Zaitsev is a excellent defenseman. As much as it might pain many Leafs Nation people to admit it, uh, he gets he got a lot more blame than he deserved. Uh, even though he he had way too much pressure put on him in Toronto and I and I and I'm not talking about uh fans in Leafs Nation I'm specifically talking about the amount of minutes the guy was expected to play in the situations he was put in he's going to excel under under uh, in Ottawa he's going to excel you're going to be we're going to be regretting get, getting rid of Nikita Zaitsev to Ottawa uh but I could have lived with all of that very very easily that would not have bothered me any part of that cuz the guy didn't want to be here he doesn't want to be here what bothers me is that we gave up Connor Brown um how like was his cap hit really so big that we needed that extra like for for what we were getting out of Brown? We me and you complained a lot uh, the past I'd say even two years about him underperforming and struggling to find what his real role is. So he may have more room to do that on Ottawa. So this is a I'd say this is a great deal. Uh, if you're Zaitsev or Brown, you you have to be happy. Even if Brown wanted to stay with the Leafs or whatever, you have to be happy with this deal. You're gonna have more room to expand and grow as a player, and so much more uh, less intense responsibility. If, if that makes sense, like you're not gonna have everybody breathing down your neck the way they do in in, uh, in Leafs Nation. I know Ottawa Ottawa fans can get a little crazy too, but it's just not the same. Hi, Brian, five or six. Yeah. <laughs> but for Harper and Cece. Uh, I don't know. Convince me, James. Convince me. Convince me why this was this is a better deal than I feel like it is. All right. So this deal here, you look at it one way for the Toronto Maple Leafs. Okay, you have Harper, who can buck it up a little bit, right-handed shot. You have CeCe, another defenseman, right-handed shot. The good thing about CeCe is he is 
a RFA that has arbitration, as we talked about earlier. So if he does not sign the one-year deal for $4.5 million, bear in mind that is the exact cap hit that Nikita Zaitsev had, but then they can walk away from him after one year. Zaitsev had five more years at that cap hit and was a player that Mike Babcock and Zaitsev did not want to use in the offensive zone. Zaitsev and everybody else has said themselves, once Zaitsev got to the O zone, he was told to get off the ice and on the bench. So obviously something about his O game didn't sit well with Babcock, which limits the use of a player. So put that aside for a moment. You have CeCe, someone who can very easily fit into your bottom four. You know, you have Harper that can fill in for depth. But here's the best part about CeCe. Per se, he does want to go and walk himself into arbitration and get an award that is too rich for the Toronto Maple Leafs. They can just walk away from him and have that cap space. Then they can go out and get another player. A lot of people are saying that if he does go out and goes and has a huge cap hit and we walk away, we will sign Jake Gardner back to the team because he wants to come back. And we'll talk about that later on in the show. But that is one setup right there, Doug, where you can already see the wheels in motion. You only keep CeCe for a maximum of one year. A lot of people say they don't see CeCe playing even a single game with the Toronto Maple Leafs because the Maple Leafs will walk away from his Arab award. So that right there fills you up with cap space and you get Harper and then you also get the other gentleman plus you get a third round pick. Here's my thing with Connor Brown. Connor Brown was not going to get a chance to move up in this lineup. He would get a chance right now with Zach Hyman out potentially. But again, there are younger players at a cheaper hit like a Bracco and other people coming into this lineup who are going to need ice time. So Connor Brown, unfortunately, is a cap casualty, is a sweetener in this deal. But again, he was a player that was either going to play on our fourth line, which we both said, Doug, you just said it yourself, couldn't figure out how to figure that role properly. Or he was going to be a player that would just play up and down our lineup and we wouldn't get the consistency because he wouldn't be playing with proper line mates all the time. So I'm happy for Connor Brown getting a chance to go to Ottawa and play in their top six and hopefully be a good player for them. So that's the deal to me in a nutshell. Like I said, if we can walk away from CC, free up cap space, and get another better defenseman in return, no problem for me there. I mean, what I keep what I keep telling myself is that it's a uh, right-handed defensemen are so hard to find. It's like finding a left-handed pitcher for for baseball. It's just they're they're not. They are not a dime a dozen. They are difficult to find that are going to play at an acceptable NHL level. So if we get two, if we get one right-handed defenseman out of the deal, then I guess I'm all right with it. I just don't like the idea of trading a guy to free up cap space, and that's the primary benefit we get out of the deal. I'm not crazy about that, but whatever. Well, that's the reason why we got rid of Zaitsev. I mean, yeah. Oh, yeah. Zaitsev and Brown, like I said, Zaitsev, five more years. The Leafs weren't using him to his full capabilities. We know he's a power play specialist. He was not going to get a sniff on the Maple Leafs. When you have guys like Gardner and Riley, and now you still have Muzzin, and now you got Tyson Berry coming in, which we will talk about a lot in a moment, because we're going to be celebrating Tyson Tuesdays on this podcast. I don't care. But here we go. We're going to go keep moving on with the theme. So the next thing, before we get into Mr. Spezza, there's two supposed deals the Maple Leafs have signed. They are on cap friendly, but the details are not confirmed as of yet. But it is Nick Shore on a one-year deal, believably in the range of 700000 
and Nick Augustino as well on a two-year deal looking to be around seven to $800,000. Um, I don't know why those deals are not confirmed yet, but they are on cap friendly and they are both linked to the Leafs. And guess what, Doug? You can already look on Twitter and you can see people battling over if it's going to be Nick Shore or Jason Spezza in the third or fourth line spot. Spezza. I'm not kidding you. So it's going to be. Spezza. We'll look at those. <laughs> we'll look at those because I know before the show you were like, "Why are we signing these guys?" Here's my theory. Babcock challenged last year whether he meant it maliciously or not. He's actually said in the offseason he didn't mean it to be aggressive or sound passive aggressive. But he mentioned the Leafs did not have the depth. Well, now you have Nick Batan, Nick Shore, Nick Augustino. You have all these Nicks, but you also have all these centers. So you still have Freddie the Goat there. You still have John Tavares. You still have Austin Matthews. And we will touch on Spezza here in a moment. My thing is, I think they finally wanted to build center depth. And we know Babcock loves centers. And what better way to do that than sign a few guys... One in Nick Shore, who's a little bit more of a rugged, not going to score you a whole lot, but could probably play a good defensive role. And then Augustino as well, same kind of mold. Um, I look at those steals and I say to myself, this is giving Babcock the tools that he needs. We'll talk about the other trades after, but this roster, if you look at it with everything that's been done, this roster is built for Babcock to say, here, succeed with this. This is what you wanted. You want it right-handed defenseman and left-handed defenseman? You got them. They're there. You want it more center depth? You got it. It's there. You want it this? You want it that? It's all there. So what is your excuse this year? That's what I think it's going to be. And they went out and they signed um, Hackstall, who used to be Philly's head coach, to be an assistant coach on this bench. They extended Sheldon Keefe. You don't make all those moves without trying to spur and light a fire under Mike Babcock's ass and let him know, I've given you all the tools you've asked for, but I've also brought in a couple safeguards in case you can't get it done. Now, I know you got a different theory, so go spill your guts. Uh, I don't remember what my theory was, but I can tell you that uh, what you're saying is making more sense uh, when I consider that Austin Matthews has been injured for a significant gap of uh, the season, two seasons in a row. Um, and the fact that we just traded away Nazem Kadri, uh, we needed, we need someone to play those positions. Uh, I'd say it's a good bet to that. All of our centers aren't going to make it all the way through the year. So now we have more of that. Uh, I, I don't see anyone other than Spezza ending up as the, like really though, like unless, unless the guy's so old, he can't skate or take a face off. Who the heck else are we going to put even with uh, what is it? Shore, uh, Agostino, whoever else, Kerfoot. Kerfoot. None of them are as good as Spezza, even at the the, the low end of his prime. Uh, not at taking faceoffs. I think that's I think that's the big reason they signed Spezza is they needed uh, someone they could rely on for faceoffs. So, yeah, I don't. Well, let's touch on him right quick, buddy. You know, signing Jason Spezza. I don't care what anybody says. I know, and I, I was talking to uh, to Rob Ellis about this a little bit on Twitter. Um, you know, obviously he's not as fleet of foot as he used to be, but you put guys on his wing like a Casperi Kapanen and a Trevor Moore. I mean, those guys can fly up the ice, get the puck in the zone, and Spencer can trail up and be the setup man that he is. You know, that's one way you can neutralize it. Again, I'm very excited to have Jason Spencer come. Yep. Um, you know, as soon as 
we signed or as soon as the rumors started rumbling you can look at my twitter feed it was well before the july one window opened when everybody said oh spets is coming to lease the first thing that i said was kadri's gone kadri is gone and everybody was just excited to have this insane center depth i knew kadri was gone and lo and behold my friend we deal Nazem Kadri, Callie Rosen, to the bloody Colorado Avalanche, and we get Mr. Tyson Berry Tuesdays himself. And we get Alexander Kerfoot, which is a player I'm very high on. I was high on him when New Jersey had him, and they let him go over and sign with Colorado. And obviously, we know what happened. Colorado's guy, Will Butcher, went over to New Jersey. But I was high on him then. This guy can go out and get you your 20, 30, maybe 40 points. Um, he's a good centerman. He can take face-offs. He's got a little bit of edge to his game. But here's the kicker in the deal, Doug, that makes me so, so happy. Tyson Berry at $2.75 million because Colorado retains... 50% of his salary. Holy crap. Yeah, boy, did we get our money's worth out of Kadri. That's just that's just ridiculous. And Kelly Rosen. I feel like that a lot of that has to be with them uh, putting a lot of value on Rosen. Part of that worries me because it means maybe we missed something that their scouts saw. I don't know. I don't know how well, like what we did to make Joe Sackick uh, want to help the Toronto Maple Leafs so much. But I just, if I'm a Colorado fan, I would be a little upset at this deal. Um, that being said, uh, this is another case where uh, I have a feeling Kadri's just going to bloom in Colorado, and all of a sudden we're going to, like, maybe two or three years from now, we're going to be, like, double thinking this deal, especially if, uh, although I don't see it happening, especially if Barry and uh, and Kerfoot don't work out. Uh, but I have, a, I have a feeling that's not going to be an issue either. I think we're going to be happy with this deal either way. It's just going to be a, a grass is greener sort of situation. But again, another situation where a Leafs player is being put into a situation where he wasn't getting enough ice time, maybe wasn't getting quite the the, the fair shake that that maybe he, that player thought that they deserved. I feel like I feel like the onus is on Kadri now. Like you know, he he, he has no excuses going to Colorado uh, and, and and underperforming at all. So you, you want to hear the best part about this entire deal, Doug? Yeah. Now John Tavares and Austin Matthews should get the ice time they deserve yes. because you no longer have Nazem Kadri you need to try to appease because Jason Spezza understands that he's on the tail end of his career, doesn't need the minutes because he's not a star. Alex Kerfoot, Nick Shore, you go down the list. Those guys understand their role yeah. and their time on the ice. Yeah, there's so there's nobody that could conceivably be a second center, a first line or second line center, especially above Matthews and T- there's no one even close. Kadri, you could have you can make the argument occasionally, right? But no, not anymore. Well, there's another thing that almost happened. Mr. Nazem Kadri obviously he's got a life going on in his life. He's about to have a baby or did just have a baby. Uh, he got married last year. The, the initial deal was uh, Kadri going to Calgary uh, for TJ Brody. Um, I don't think that would have made me as excited. Um, Chris Johnson said on uh, another podcast that, uh, you know, he didn't know all the specifics, but obviously it was Kadri and Brody were the two main components. Um, I'm not excited about that as much as I am as getting, uh, you know, Tyson Tuesday. Um, 
but you know what? Uh, it's crazy to think how many pokers Kyle Dubas had in the fire for making things happen. So it's exciting to see the, the cojones Dubas has right now, especially with Marner still twisting in the wind right now. He's gone out and done all these things. So the question I have to ask you, Doug, how do you feel about this team as a whole? Uh, so we the end of the season, we, we said that this was going to be uh, the summer of Dubas. Like this, this summer is all on Dubas. He, he had a, he has a job or had a job. I don't know how you, how you feel at this point uh, to make sure this team didn't uh, significantly disimprove itself. Like it needed, it needed to stay at around the same level of compete at around the same level of skill level retention, which we knew was going to be next to impossible. That's why we had the Marlowe zone. Um, I wouldn't say that we're quite where we were last year in terms of the scale of talent that we had available to us. However, going into this year, you got to think Nylander's already locked up, so we don't have to worry about him. If he gets manages to get Marner locked up, we have a, a team that should, that has no reason not to succeed again. So it's, at a, it's literally, it's, I've gone from maybe they aren't going to make the playoffs next year and they're going to stink because they gave away so many good players to, well, now we're looking like a strong team that could, could, could walk into the playoffs and do some serious damage, get through the first few rounds at least. Um, I'd say my expectations are back to them at least. Like, okay, they have to make the second round this year, right? Like, they can't not make the second round. Uh, all this talent contributes to that that goal. Uh, and if we had somehow, like, in some magical fantasy world, we'd stuck with all of the exact same players um, maybe we'd be a slightly better chance, but that's just not a realistic goal. We knew right from the start the Marlowe zone was not sustainable. That was not that was a temporary thing. All of our guys are another year older, another season older. Um, I wouldn't, I would not have been that upset if we had stayed relatively the same. I thought that we were a good hockey team. I think I thought that the basis of why we lost against Boston was more uh, attitude and effort. Um, yeah, so this this I feel like that's going all the moves that have been made are going to improve that. Like we we know Zaitsev didn't really want to be here. Uh, we knew that there was just just logically, you know, that there were at least a couple of guys that resented Kadri uh, getting himself suspended from another playoff series. Like that's like we don't know that for sure, but that's that like to hear that come out of someone on the team's mouth would not have surprised me in the least. That's gone. Uh, all that I feel like a lot of that internal conflict that they were dealing with is gone. Aside from that, that's the he's the last uh, Brian Burke player now. This is this is genuinely a a quote unquote brand new Maple Leafs team. Even though like guys have been on the team for two or three, there's no one left from that era now. That's that's over. Those days are over. Uh, I guess we just gotta hope they don't sign James Reimer, but uh, <laughs> <laughs> or maybe you do hope. I don't know. Uh, regardless, uh, we're we're there. We, we, we have not significant we're, we are not worse that much worse off than we were at the end of last year and it's not like having all that talent available to us got us anywhere anyways and I feel like every decision we made has been a, a lot or at least not every decision but the majority of these signings and pickups are all character based and attitude based and at least at least that that is factoring into this the decisions of why we picked them so I'm happy I'm happy I'm gonna I'm also happy that it, to me we didn't go out and we and get some big superstar that's like you know like we signed John Tavares people started playing the parade already uh, 
you're not going to do that because we signed Nick Shore. You know what I mean? Like, yeah, I'm happy we have him, but I'm not I'm not saying, yeah, we have Nick Shore. Now we're going to win the cup. None of none of the pickups we made, even Barry, none of these pickups are that type of signing, that type of deal. So I think from that perspective, it'll help keep expectations low, and that'll make it easier for these guys to excel uh, in the roles that they know they can do good at, that they've done good in other teams. Uh, the majority of these guys are NHL veterans. They're not rookies, so it'll they'll mesh well with our guys that now have two, three, four seasons of experience. So I'm, I'm all right. I'm happy. Well, I'm the other foot, Doug, unfortunately. Oh, really? I think expectations are through the roof <laughs> for this squad. No, no see, we, we if we say expectations are lower, then people will think expectations are lower, and they'll have lower expectations. That's how Leafs media works, right? <laughs> we dictate the pace, right? But no, I I think that now expectations are even higher. You have a, a better decor, um, arguably a better forward corpse than you had last year. Um, you know, with Kerfoot coming in, Spezza coming oh, in, really? players playing in their actual positions. Well, you look again, like I said, you know, now you're going to have the benefit of rolling out their Austin Matthews more, giving him more time to play. John Tavares, more time to play. So the top two lines will have more time out there. Um, you know, will that generate more offense? Will that generate more points, more goals for those two lines? I definitely think so. Um, having your third and fourth line play the minutes they're supposed to play. Um, also exposing them to the other team's third and fourth line more. So a guy like Kasperi Kapanen may have more chances to get more goals. Being set up by a good setup guy like Jason Spezza. Um, you look at your fourth line. It'll be a kind of true blue, hard-working fourth line. Whoever decides to round it out, whether you go with a Moore, whether you go with Agostino, it goes on and on and on. Um, you know, you look at a guy like Kerfoot who can probably play with Spezza and Kapanen, to be honest with you. Um, you know, so arguably, if you look in, look at point in from point out from last year, um, you trade Zaitsev and you put Barry. Um, Barry had more points than Zaitsev. You lose Gardner. So again, you have guys like CC and them coming in. No, they're not the same point threshold as Jake Gardner. But again, point in, point out. You look at Kerfoot and Kadri. If you look at just last season alone, Kerfoot outscored Kadri. So those points are already there. Um, can Kappen and Janssen and everybody else, like you said, improve? Yeah. So, I mean, I think the forward corps will look better this year than it did last year. It'll be utilized better this year than it was last year because there won't be the excuse of all yes. oh, we had to find Kadri some ice. Yeah. Um, you know, we had to run the power play this way to give everybody their cookies. No, now you have two wicked power play quarterbacks in Barry and Riley, which can either be spread out on a power play or you can muck it up a little bit, have three forwards, two D on one, and then four forwards, one D and Muzzin on the other, really mess with the team because then what do you do? Do you put out forwards on there that you're trying to score a shorthanded goal when you have two stalwart defensemen like Barry and Riley out there? Or do you just try to wait for the second unit? Now you're starting to play, you know, pushing buttons. So the other thing, Doug, I give an incomplete grade right now as well because Marner's not there, don't know what his cap it yeah. is, don't know what's happening with CeCe, uh, haven't got a number on Kerfoot, but also uh, Chris Johnson, he said that Gardner wants to come back. He wants to find a way to come back to the Maple Leafs, and that's why he has not signed a deal as of yet. Now, um, obviously, that would have to be, like CJ said, on a hometown kind of discount, but Gardner's not ruling that out. 
So when Nick Kiprios talked about the hometown discount that he would sign, it was at $5 million. So if you walk away from Cody Cece, which you were already planning to have on your books at 4.5, and you bury another contract in the minors, there's that $5 million. The only sticking point would be term. Don't know what the term Gardner wants is. Uh, back when Kiprio said it, it was the full seven years. Obviously, I think the uh, the Leafs can still do that, but who knows where it goes. But Gardner still very well could be a Toronto Maple Leaf. And then if you look at that defense corpse, Doug, that really gets me excited. You start talking about Riley and Barry and Muzzin and Gardner and Dermott. That right there, five defensemen before you even start getting into your depth, guys, is a pretty damn good defense corpse. Yeah, no, absolutely. Um, One thing I'll say is that uh, I think we actually are sort of agreeing with each other in that uh, I think individual. if you look at individually the players that we've lost versus the players we picked up, you might be a little uh, disappointed. You might be. Uh, but the flip side of that is that they're going to fit in with this team much better than the guys that we got rid of. Like, especially guys, again, I'm going back to this over and over again because it really bugs me, but Zaitsev saying he didn't want to be in Toronto, that bothers me. Because that means he didn't just start not wanting to be in. He never wanted to be in. You don't. You don't suddenly change your mind because the season ends and whatever. You know that's a guy that did not want to be here. So that's that's one less. Those types of moves are not quantifiable. Like you're not gonna take half a mil. Like you know what I mean. That's not gonna add value to a player. It's not gonna take value off of a player, uh, except in the dressing room and on the ice. So. Yeah, I, I think from uh, the perspective of are we a better team, I think I, I, I am, I'm, I'm going to agree with you if we look at it on a team basis. And again, same thing as you, is that's dependent on us uh, making sure we, we sign Mitch Marner, uh, possibly CeCe as well. Um, but yeah, I, I'd say that we're better off as a team, even if we may have looked like p- pure numbers on paper that we're worse off. Uh, yeah, that's I feel like that's a good take. Uh, in terms of Gardner... If he re-signs in Toronto, uh, you as a Leaf fan are obligated to love the hell out of this guy because he has gone through the shit, all right? He has gone through people sending him death threats on his social media. He's gone through just having like his reputation dragged through the mud. This is a guy that if he was playing for, let's say, the LA Kings, he would be considered a superstar in this league, undeniably. Up there, probably, like, even, I see, I remember him, from a few years ago and people can directly comparing Gardner to Riley that didn't, that's not changed. He's still that good. Uh, I, 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 this is another guy that I don't know. Like I, if he still wants to stay in Toronto after all of that, boy, Leafs nation better get behind him. If he does sign here. Uh, if not, I honestly, if I was Jake Gardner, I, I, I would not want to continue to play in Toronto. People give me death threats. Like that's crazy. Uh, I, how are you going to play for fans that literally want to kill you? Like, <laughs> So if, if I'm Jake Gardner, I wouldn't want to sign in Toronto, and yet he does. So I'm behind him. I want him on the team at this point. Uh, I, I've probably flip-flopped my opinions. I still think that he might be better off as a forward in the back of my mind, though I'm going to start saying that less and less loudly as he gets older. Um, yeah. No, I like the idea of getting Jake Gardner back. I certainly like the idea of re-signing Jake Gardner more than uh, picking up James Reimer. <laughs> well, you won't get any Reimer out of me. I love Reimer. Got a hang, hung picture on the wall right now that's autographed by Mr. Reimer. But no, I think that, that ship has sailed. But Doug, it feels good to talk about all this stuff the way that we talk about it. 
Um, the only thing I can say that's left to say is, ah, is it October yet, my friend? Is it October? No. <laughs> There's, you know how I can tell is because Marner hasn't signed yet. <laughs> There's the truth. Well, buddy, thanks again for another great episode. Thanks, everybody, for tuning in, and we'll catch you next week. Thank you.